The following is brought to you by TheKnowledge.com, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for September 29th, 2021, your boy Justin Robert Young. And before we even get started, before we even get started, let me congratulate you, you listening right now on your walk, on your run, on your commute, taking your kids to school. Making breakfast, making lunch, making dinner. Congratulations, because you've made a wise choice. You are a smart person because you listen to this show. Because there is a commitment that your boy, Justin Robert Young, has for you when it comes to this show. I don't bring on gaslighters and I don't bring on dummies. I do my best each and every time that I am crafting every single syllable of this show, whether it come from my mouth or the mouth of one of our guests, that we have one goal. Is it correct? Will it happen? In the oft times inscrutable world of money and ego that is politics, and when we mix in the fact that there are indeed very real issues that are at stake, the one beacon that I can promise is to be that lighthouse on a craggy shore to say this is where we land. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I'm often wrong. But I can tell you that it is always the effort. And so it is with that, as we navigate oft unnavigatable waters with what is happening in Congress, that this show brings you somebody who told you what happened on Monday was going to happen months ago. Bill Scher will join us yet again, and he's going to take a bit of a victory lap considering the fact that what Nancy Pelosi just pulled in Congress was indeed the Pelosi move that was likely to happen. What was that? I'll explain. We still have a massive, massive, massive uh, series of problems for the Democrats in Congress. The bulk of Joe Biden's agenda still hanging in the balance. And now it is all out war between the moderates and the progressives within the Democratic Party. Battle lines have been drawn. Why that happened, when that happened, and what are the stakes at this point, I'll get to in a second. Oh, also... Biden's agenda is not the only problem that faces the White House and congressional leadership. No, the government's going to shut down on Thursday, a.k.a. tomorrow when you're listening to this, unless the Democrats do something about it. And 
we now have an official drop dead date for when the United States will be unable to pay its bills unless our debt ceiling is raised and money is provided for it. What that date is, whether or not we're going to have a government shutdown on top of everything else, explained in this episode. And before we get to the but first, let me finish my point on why you should be congratulated, why you are a smart person, because you now have a roadmap for where you would like to take your beliefs, the beliefs that you believe should shape the world. Because I'm seeing a lot of things that are happening in the media landscape and a lot of political media, which has become partisan over the last 10 to 15 years. And I think that there's a great place for it, but not when it comes to giving you a roadmap. And so right now there's a lot of progressive media that is very, very angry and they should be. We're going to get to that in a second, but they lash out. They lash out at pundits. They lash out at people that they will convince you don't take these issues as seriously. When in reality, if you turn around the mirror, then what you see is for somebody who dares think that these issues are so important, who dares advocate them with that kind of ferocity, would denigrate somebody who dares try to show the roadmap of where things will go. And when that roadmap is validated, it's one thing to doubt the roadmap, but when that roadmap is validated to say that that is not the way to do things, what you should be doing is just out and out wishing and hoping and praying that your priorities are the priorities of leadership instead of showing the signs of when you should have played hardball months ago. Well, that person That media outlet, they're not there to advance the agenda that you care about. They're there to tell you what you want to hear. They're there to comfort you for money. They're strippers. And I'm from South Florida, so I like strippers. But as we head in to another election season and then a bigger election season after that, just remember who's trying to be the lighthouse for you and who's playing confirmation bias theater. But first. Nancy Pelosi blinks. Look, Nance was in an impossible position uh, based on her previous comments, she really couldn't make a move without stabbing somebody in the back and the knife hit Monday night. After long promising that Biden's infrastructure legislative agenda was one monolith, not two parts. It was indeed a totem pole of roads, bridges and tunnels intermixed with social safety nets, a road to citizenship and the expansion of Medicare. 
diverse in goals, but united in purpose. There is no hard infrastructure. There is no soft infrastructure. We are Venom. They could only pass together. Advancing the bipartisan hard infrastructure to the president's desk, well, that's easy. The hard part is getting a $6 trillion bill through the Senate via reconciliation and then through the House a year before midterms. And that is the leverage that the progressives were holding on to. We'll pass your bill. We know you moderates in your moderate districts need it, but we need you to have some spine and actually use the kind of position that the Democrats are in right now in control of the House, Senate, and White House. That was the plan two months ago when the reconciliation bill stalled in the Senate. That was the plan a month ago when the House moderates pinned Pelosi down on a vote to a voting deadline for hard infrastructure this week. And that was the plan as of Sunday. Went on our Patreon-exclusive Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show. All the main players went on television and gave their piece, effectively reinforcing the status quo with some minor thawing on the progressive side. It was not the plan on Monday. There will be a vote on hard infrastructure this Thursday in the House. That was announced by Nancy Pelosi. If it succeeds, it will go to Biden's desk and he will sign it. This represents an official decoupling of hard infrastructure and soft infrastructure, something that the House moderates wanted and the progressives are desperate to not see happen. The double team has been isolated. The halves split in twain. Again, we're going to have Cher on in a, a little bit, and I'm going to let him take his home run his home run trot because he called this on the podcast months ago. It's the same move that Nancy pulled during Obamacare. String the progressives along with the single-payer dream until hitting them with the reality at the 11th hour. Vote for the package we got or be the people who denied the president a win. And if you're one of the progressives, hey, what can you say, man? They have to vote for a package uh, or deal the president from their own party a massive humiliation. They can lean on Pelosi to move the vote from Thursday, which she might if they all threaten to withhold their support. And they can hope that prolonging this will keep pressure on the moderates in the Senate to finally come up with a compromise on that soft infrastructure bill that would advance it via reconciliation, even at a reduced number. But you got to wonder if even the, the, the true believers think that that's a fool's errand. Since negotiations got real a few months ago, the loudest moderate voices in the Senate have been more entrenched in their positions. Kirsten Cinema, according to reports, is now against raising the corporate tax at all. So not raising it a couple points. I mean, I think like the, the, the argument previously was raising it like 10% and Manchin wanted it 6% or 4%. Cinema says, uh-uh, nothing, nada, zip, zilch. Do not raise the corporate tax one 
inch. And she, she is the reasonable one. Because Joe Manchin has been out here in public saying that he believes that the entire reconciliation bill should be paused until the, the, the fifth of never. So where does this go from here? We're going to talk to Cher about that. We'll, 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 we'll see what, what the paths are going forward. But, whew, boy. On Monday, we found out that the dam finally broke. And we also found out it was the progressive side of the aisle that got soaked by it. Oh, by the way, it can't be congressional apocalypto with only one world-ending threat. The government is set to shut down on Thursday, and the Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, has sent Congress a letter notifying them that the full faith and credit of the United States of America will run out on October 18th, making it a very spooky fiscal cliff. You know, one with a with a lightning bolt on the horizon and a witch with a broom circling above, maybe a maybe a craggy old castle in the background. Complicating all this is that old sly turtle, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> who despite being the Senate minority leader still seems to be calling some of the shots these days. How? Well, I'll tell you. The Democrats have been pretty reliant on reconciliation for the big moves that they want to make since they won control of the Senate in January. They used it for their COVID bill, despite the previous incarnations being bipartisan, and plan to use it again for the Build Back Better bill, a.k.a. soft infrastructure, if they can. This means for Mitch that he can sit back and say, well, if you don't need us, then you go ahead and take care of it. And that's fine until you need GOP votes, which the Democrats do both to keep the government running and to raise the debt ceiling so the richest country in the world that the world has ever seen, more specifically, doesn't default on its financial obligations, therefore triggering international financial chaos and possibly losing pole position as the fiduciary leader of the free world. But also, the Democrats are fighting amongst themselves. They are demonstrating that the more power that you give them, the less they do. So why would Mitch step in to alleviate any of that pressure? Why throw them a life vest when he believes that if the roles were reversed, the Democrats would be trying to pour water in his mouth? So count the GOP as cautious on the credit limit. What are the options? Well, one of them would be to raise the uh, credit limit, the, the, the debt ceiling via reconciliation. That plan was allegedly floated by Joe Biden this week, but pushed back on by Senate Maj uh, Majority Leader Schumer as possibly, and I'm not kidding here, ruining their October recess. Just in case we needed a recalibration of the priorities of Congress. As for keeping the government open, the House is rumored today, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, to be putting up a clean bill on that going forward. Previously, they had bound 
the debt limit and the continuing resolution together. Republicans rejected that. They're probably going to send the funding of the government up to the Senate at some point, at which point the Republicans are likely to support that if we are taking them at their previous word. Now, what you might hear about is a galaxy brain move that many liberals would really, really love. And that is for Schumer, Pelosi, and Biden to pull a Democratic fan fiction maneuver wherein you put the debt ceiling raise in the soft infrastructure bill and dare Republicans to either support the bill or possibly permanently damage the nation's credit. While that would certainly be gangster, it's a fanciful dream not built for reality, since the Dems can't even get out of their own way and support the soft infrastructure bill without such chicanery. The bottom line on this is that these situations, the government shutdown and the 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 debt ceiling are likely not going to come to fruition. They're going to figure out a way to get through them, mostly because they're a lot less intricate than the Biden legislative process. And despite the fact that the consequences of either of them not happening are indeed very serious, that's the reason why we haven't spent a ton of time talking about them. And my prescription is until we get far closer to that debt ceiling cliff, you probably don't need to worry about it all that much. Will we see a government shutdown? You never know. But I wouldn't think it would be for long. Obviously, I very much love doing this show. And I love the fact that you guys listen. And there's a reason why I wanted to give you guys a congratulatory moment for being smart enough to be on this team. But I also want to make sure that everybody knows how it happens. And it happens at your largesse. At the largesse of the people who support PX3. The folks who head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. The people that put their money where their mouth is to make sure that this show comes out every Wednesday, every Friday. And for those of you smart enough to head on over to Take Politics Seriously and sign up at the $3 level or above, which is 3 bucks per week, you get two bonus episodes. One, the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday program. And I'll tell you what, this Sunday will be Juicy. And of course, the late edition. That is the latest news-wise that we that we cover because I record the Friday episode early. And this is going to be a pretty good week to have that late edition because a lot's going to change from when I record the Friday episode earlier in the week. And, you know, Thursday when I record that Thursday episode, pretty good week. If you're on the fence, it's a pretty good week to get on board. Head on over right now. Take politicsseriously.com and sign up. $3 level gets you the two bonus podcasts. Anything above gets you more. But a reminder that you don't have to listen in the Patreon app. You can get that custom RSS feed, enter it into the podcatcher of your choice, 
and do it like that. Seamless, easy, awesome. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our guest today really needs no introduction because I've already given him two of them because I told you he was coming on. I told you he was here to brag. He writes for Real Clear Politics. He writes for Washington Monthly. He was dead right about what Pelosi was going to do in this process, despite the fact that Pelosi's own people came to tell him he was wrong. Who's laughing now? I'll tell you. Our boy, Bill Share. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Great to be with you as always. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the floor. This is your home run trot. You came on <laughs> PX three months ago. You said the most Pelosi move would be the exact same playbook that she pulled with Obamacare. Bring it, uh, be tough talking all the way to the 11th hour and then make the pragmatic move. That's exactly what happened to the letter on Monday. So please go. If you want to pull out an American flag like Sammy Sosa, you are welcome. The floor is yours. Look, you know, I'm not a hero, Justin. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just a working stiff trying to do my job. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, I, I swear to you, literally nobody else in the pundit profession, yep, which I am in, yep, was saying what I was saying back on uh, starting on June 30th. Yes, because June 30th is when I heard. And mind you, up until this point, the line from Pelosi was, we're not going to pass this uh, any bipartisan infrastructure bill that is narrowly focused on traditional uh, roads, bridges type infrastructure. Yep. Until the Senate passes the so-called reconciliation bill. Yes. And which the Democrats are more likely to call the Build Back Better bill now. Uh, and by the is, way, I'm, I'm with you. I saw this on Twitter. I agree with you. I, I'm not doing nine different nicknames when we're already in the middle of like three different crises. It's the bipartisan bill. It's a soft infrastructure bill. That's all I'm calling either. It. They, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing the, the biffs and the bips and, 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 and the triple B's enough with it. Well, well, for Twitter purposes, you got, you got boiling things out for Twitter. Oh. So I'm 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 Bib and BBB. Bib and BBB is where we're going now. So Bib is is, Bib is a bipartisan for, infrastructure bill, and then the yes. Build Back Better bill is. So that was hard and soft infrastructure. Now it's Bib Correct. and BBB. All right, that's, that's fine. You can go that's with that. Go ahead, keep trying. All right. I, I know Build Back Better is this soup to nuts. Yes, universal pre-K, free community college, elder care, climate. Tax reform, you know, sock it to the wealthy and corporations. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing things. Well, I mean, it was it was pathway to citizenship and might still right. be, but that's uh, up in the air with with the parliamentarian. But it is right, like right. everything that you've heard complained about on Fox News in one bill. Right. Which is literally, in my opinion, the biggest the biggest single piece of legislation ever attempted in American history. I mean, I mean, so the bigger, New bigger, Deal. Bigger than Great Society, bigger than New Deal. 
they had different bills. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't shove it all into one into bill. One. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. J- just by, just by the fact that it's like, like, like Houston is a bigger city than Dallas only because <laughs> Dallas is a bunch of different cities right. in one Metroplex. Gotcha. Right. 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 Um, so Pelosi was saying back in June, we're not doing bib. Yep. Until Senate passes what we will now say is BBB. Yeah. But then it, she was at a press conference. And she said that we're not going to pass infrastructure until we get the budget parameters from the Senate. Gotcha. And I I immediately said, whoa, that's not the same thing. Yeah. As actually passing the bill, because I started to go back into the weeds again. You have to pass a budget resolution before you pass budget reconciliation. If you want to skip the filibuster, the whole point of reconciliation is that it's filibuster proof. Yep. But you got to jump through different hoops to get there. One of them is you pass a budget resolution, which is not a law. It's budgetary guidelines. But yeah, and you can stick into their circle reconciliation instructions that these are all the steps you have to go through. Yeah. And that is what creates parameters. So in Pelosi said parameters, I was like, wait a second. Is she saying that the resolution is good enough and the Senate doesn't actually have to pass the, the actual bill? Uh, and then Pelosi's spokesperson. Got in my feet. Yep. Got in your mentions. Uh, and said, you know, uh, nothing's changed here. This is about reconciliation. Uh, and and you know, all my Twitter haters are like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. You know, listen to this Pelosi Spox. And I, and I then I wrote a piece of the Washington Monthly and I said, you know, what, what he said doesn't actually debunk what I said. Because <laughs> it's still not actually saying. So in in. In in that moment, you saw maybe what what you interpreted as a little wiggle room that would only wiggle one way. Yeah, and I and I, and I combined and a piece I wrote back on July second. I said yep. you know, the, the the combination of that little rhetorical uh, wrinkle. Yep. Combined with what happened in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when Pelosi said there is no way the House is passing Obamacare without a robust public option. And then you get to March 2010. Oh, sorry, guys. I can't get it to the Senate. You know, I tried my best. Yeah. We left it on the floor team, but we got to take what the Senate's given us. I was like, she's done this before. Yeah. She she earns the progressive cred by fighting the good fight until the very last day and then says, oh, can't do it, but we got to get something done here and gets it over the finish line. Uh, and so when I say this stuff, people, people start Treat me like I'm a, I'm a Pelosi in her. Pelosi always gets it done. Yeah. You know, dumb or down Pelosi. Like, I'm not doubting Pelosi. Well, you got I'm it. You got it. You got how it from, Pelosi gets it done. You got it from all sides uh, over the last <laughs> over the last 24 hours. You know, you got it. You get it from the Pelosi stands. Uh, you get it from uh, a, a famous screenwriter, Dave Siriota. Uh, you know, uh, you, you have you have a very interesting rogues gallery that, that oh, likes well, to come you, at you, you on Twitter. Well, so let me, let me keep telling you the story, if I may. If I may, you know, take a very long victory lap here. Go ahead, um, please. So we, we get to we get to August. You know, this when the Senate has passed the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan yep. infrastructure bill. Uh, Pelosi still seems to be insisting that the Senate's got to pass reconciliation first. Uh, you got this band of House moderates in August saying, "Well, we're not going to pass the budget resolution, which allows the House." And the Senate to get to reconciliation. We're not going to do that unless you pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill first. Yeah. We want to pocket that win. You got to pass it and Biden's got to sign it. 
and they had a they had a stalemate. They had a little bit of drama, and they came to a compromise, which was okay. We're not going to pass the infrastructure bill right now, but we'll set a fixed date for it. And that was done in a in a rule. There's a House rule you yeah. pass. It's a procedural measure. It generally queues up a floor to be in a vote, but in the rule. They tucked in actual passage of the budget resolution with the fixed date for the bib. And at that point, I said, here's the linkage. Yeah. They've literally linked the advancement of bib with the resolution, yeah. not reconciliation, which again is what Pelosi to me seemed to be signaling back in June. Yeah. Uh, and Again, I get you don't know what you're talking about. You know, progressives are going to kill Bib. They have, the votes aren't there for you. Know, we'll get to September 27th when this fixed date is, and the votes won't be there. And then, and then, and then the I mean, the whole point of this, the whole point yeah. of the linkage debate, yeah, is that progressives fear that if they pass the bipartisan bill first, they have no leverage over the moderates in the reconciliation process, and people like Joe Manchin and Curtis Cinema can cut it down to size, won't be 3.5 trillion, maybe two, maybe one. I mean, and, and by the way, I think that's right. I don't think, <laughs> I think they do need the leverage because by the way, throughout all this process, and I pointed this out at the beginning of the show, Mansion and Cinema have not gotten, they've gotten further away from this argument. Zinema saying no raising of the corporate tax rate. Uh, uh, well, that's, is, not, that's, a, that's not on record yet. Okay, reported, reported <laughs> yeah. that that's the case. Manchin yeah. is on record saying that uh, he wants to pause this into next year, which is equivalent to saying that somebody should pause breathing into next year <laughs> in that it, the end result is both things die. Uh, what, what I would ask for you is going forward, do the progressives stand up and say, because th this is a, a a date that's already gotten moved once, right? Well, we, are, so we, are, we are recording this on September 28th. That, to most scholars, is one day past September 27th, which was when this was by rule in there. We now have a new uh, end date for this vote on Thursday, so a day after this episode comes out. But for what? For when? Why, why, why can't the progressives also just put their foot down and say, no, the, the, the deal remains the same. We're going to withhold our votes until uh, uh, reconciliation passes or it dies. Well, here's where I'm going I'm to stop short of, you know, being a total clairvoyant and tell you exactly what's going to happen because I don't know. OK, but here's what we here's what we do know. Yeah. As of yesterday, the 27th. Pelosi told her caucus, we are going to vote. So we, the, the initial deal was to consider the bipartisan bill by the 27th. It's, it's technically not a vote. It's a consideration. Yeah. But, uh, but Pelosi said the consideration has begun. Yeah. But we are going to vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill on Thursday, the 30th, because in, you need that to extend the highway trust fund authorization, which expires at the end of that day. Uh, we don't want to have a so-called highway cliff. We don't want to have any financing infrastructure projects disrupted. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, but the Senate's not ready to do reconciliation yet. We're still negotiating the particulars of that. And we just have to move forward on, on this now. So she has now made plain that she is calling on the Democrats to de-link yes. the bipartisan infrastructure bill from BBB. And yes, 
if progressives want to defy Pelosi, and remember, you only have to lose four Democrats. Yep. And, 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 and AOC, AOC is already on the record saying she's not going to vote for it. So right. I guess we would say three. But if it's a party line vote, we don't know how many Republicans will vote yes on this. So the uh, exact I, number well, of killing yeah, it. Re- 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 yeah. re- reporting, reporting on it uh, uh, as of as of now is that uh, the only Republican votes that will show up will be if the Democratic vote is is there. That that McCarthy. Well, well, is, well let's, let's let's be let's be careful about that. Okay. Okay. So we know two things. There are seven Republicans that have said they're going to vote yes or indicate they'll vote yes. Yeah. That's according to the Hills whip count. Okay. Um, in Punchbowl news today. Yes. There was a report cited to some anonymous Republican source, presumably from leadership. Yeah. Saying they're going to call on Republicans not to vote yes until Democrats hit. I think they said 218. I think the number actually, actually should be 217 because there's some vacancies in the House. Gotcha. Um, but uh, but basically, until there's a majority, so if they get there on their own, they then, have a ball then, and, ju- a ball and jump there. in. Yeah. But don't but don't give them the margin of victory. But it's not clear that the few Republicans who've already said they vote yes agree with that thinking. Uh, so we don't know if that Republican ask is going to be accepted throughout the caucus top to bottom. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what, if I were any part of Republican leadership, I would be salivating at the fact that this could be the 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 signature example of of the decade that this is what happens when you give Democrats all the power <laughs> that that this is this is this is this is the infighting and lack of effort and lack of results that that happen. And that's why they can't be trusted with it. So I, I would. I, I would not be shocked that that Punchbowl report did, uh, you know, uh, seem strategically true to me. I want to I want to address that. But, I, but let me finish the Democratic side first. Please go ahead. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Because, you know, we've had the Congressional Progressive Progressive Caucus chair, Premier Jayapal, saying over and over, we have the votes. We can block this. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, they've indicated that more than half of their 95 member caucus will vote no if it's bid first. More recently, they said, we have as many as 50. We have as many as 60. But they've never given us names. They never said, said, here are the 50, here are the 60. Now, there's a couple unofficial whip counts out there. Uh, There's a group of progressive magazines that have said we have it at 21. The Hill had it at 15 last I checked. Uh, I think some of the statements that are used to add names to those lists are a little flexible. Specious. Yeah, uh, maybe that's speech. I'm going to say I want to take it completely to the bank. But regardless, they're all taken before Pelosi's statement yesterday. Yeah. The, the, Jayapal was making all of her boasts on the presumption that her strategy and Pelosi's strategy were the same. Yeah. Now they're not. So now to, to vote no is to defy the leadership call. They, as a mathematical question, they can. But it's a different ask. It's a different level of pressure being put on you. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but certainly one, now that Pelosi is in, it would be logical to me for Joe Biden to make a few phone calls and say, yep. look, look, man, you know, we've had a rough two months. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting killed. My my poll numbers in the 40s. If we don't pull out of this rut, you know, we're all going down. We're, we're going to get killed in the midterm. We got to start doing something to put some points on the board and turn these headlines around. I really need this from you today. You know, that's the kind of thing 
that can move votes, particularly if you if you don't live in a Trump state like Joe Manchin. Uh, so I'm not saying they can't do it. Maybe they'll maybe they'll walk the plank and say, you know, you know, goodbye, crew world and kill this bill. But it's a different ask than it was 48 hours ago. Uh, That's 100 percent. Yes. Uh, now, on the Republican side. Yeah, I think there is some thinking amongst leadership saying, let's contribute to Democrats in disarray. Let's kill the thing that they want so dearly and make them look bad. Why I think that's not good strategic thinking is this. I mean, this is a bipartisan bill. This is a bipartisan bill from the Senate, 19 Republican votes, Mitch McConnell supported it. When the bill came out, the Bipartisan House Problem Solvers Caucus came out in favor of it, said it deserved a standalone vote. This is a caucus that has 29 Democrats and 29 Republicans. And uh, I've seen reported that they have an internal policy Whereas if three quarters of the total caucus supports the bill, they all have, they all should vote for it. Yeah. Which means if all, if all Democrats did, and I think like was it 15 Republicans did, then like the other 14 Gotta would be obligated along. to come yeah. on board. Now, there is little indication at this stage that 15 of those Republicans will vote for it. Again, I, I think yeah. the last count was seven. I think one of them isn't even in the problem solvers caucus. Um, but so number one, for the caucus itself, like their whole point of existence in their own website's mission statement is to be a block of votes. Yes. That prevents the extremes of Congress to dictate the outcome. Yeah. So they have the power to follow through on their own mission, their own objective and vote for this thing. Number one, for the broader party. I don't see you. You, you can't assume that by killing Bib now would lead to further democratic division because you are moving the goalposts. The Republicans, particularly those in the Problem Solvers Caucus, we're moving the goalposts from where they were. You have moderates saying, hey, we worked with you. We crafted this deal with you. We we're going to do this together. And now you're going to pull the plug because you're gonna, you want to make us look bad? How yeah. can I do anything by parts with you in the future if that's the case? Screw you guys. Us moderates are going to work, work closely with the progressives because we have to pass something or else we're all going to go down in yeah. November 2022. Democrats have the mathematical means to do this themselves so long as they have, create their own consensus. And if Republicans are going to be recalcitrant, that gives those Democrats reason to take that path. So I, I think it's in the Republicans' interest, you know, throw the elbow to the squad, knock them back on their heels and give moderates more leverage to restrain the size of the reconciliation bill because they can't kill it themselves. Let, let me let, let me let me put it this way. Maybe making sure the bill doesn't pass just so they, they can point at the Democrats and laugh is is I, I agree. Maybe not quite as wise as as those who would find that to be a funny idea would think. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's very strategic to not make any kind of public uh, uh, statement on this until they know as close to that vote as possible what the whip count is amongst the progressives. Because if if the story going into Thursday is the, you know, uh, uh, let's say the, the squad comes out and therefore eliminates whatever the margin was for Pelosi in the House in terms of Democratic votes, 
And then the Republicans come in and say, all right, we'll be the adults in the room and pass this bipartisan thing. That's a much different situation than coming out now and then allowing the the the, the squad to take a principled stance because it's going to pass anyway. Well, this is happening on both sides. Why is it that Pramila Jillipal's number doesn't match the on the record statements? Because you got a whole bunch of Democrats yeah. waiting to the last minute. And deciding what the, what do they want to do in the last minute? If they if they lay down their marker before Pelosi's statement, they might feel more awkward right now and be accused of flip flopping. Yeah. So being quiet gives them more latitude. Republicans clearly are putting their finger into the wind and deciding at the very last minute what makes the most sense for me, what makes the most sense for us as a group. Um, how how linked do these two bills look at at on this day in time? Uh, so if they Not may decide. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the, to, my, to my mind, if you want to see these bills delinked, you vote with Pelosi. If you want to see them linked, you vote with AOC. So why should Republicans vote with AOC and encourage linkage? It, it makes sense. I mean, if if you vote, if you're a Republican and you vote for this, you pass it, then the goal, the hope is this kills BBB. Like that, that, that now there is even less of a margin. All the progressives were right. The moderates were, were not going to be there for them if they got what they wanted in, in, in bipartisan infrastructure. And, and now it would only be a, a very, very, very muted and, and, and reworked version. It would be, it would be the, the, the G rated cut of showgirls that eventually makes it to <laughs> the house uh, compared to what was initially drafted up by Bernie. I just don't think if you're a Republican, I mean, Everything I do in my job is trying to explain to people how things work, where power lies. And I yes. think, you know, you might think I'm the biggest, you know, moderate jackass on the planet. But I think you can read my stuff if you, and we take away whatever obnoxious verbiage I use and look at the facts <laughs> I'm laying out. You can create strategies that help you to your own ends. Uh, and that requires being clear eyed and what's happening in the other factions, the other parties. Republicans should be clear. Republicans should be cleared about this. Democrats, 99.99% chance are going to pass a BBB. Yeah. It's just too humiliating to pass nothing. And that it hurts every faction of the party to pass nothing. So don't assume you're going to pull that off. Make it, it the reason why 19% Republicans vote for this thing in the first place is a lot of them want roads and bridges and water yes. and broadband in their states and say, look, kids, I did this. Don't yeah. let Democrats get all the credit for it. Get some credit for yourself. Republicans in the House can now do that if they vote for this thing, de-link it from the BBB. So, they, so I mean, I, I understand the political rationale to say, I don't want to be accused of being a handmaiden for a multi-trillion dollar revamping of the social contract. I'll get hammered yeah. at home. I get that. But voting for this is not going to do that. This is going to be a D-link bill. Take care for the roads and bridges and go beat up Democrats about the other bill later on. I I, I agree. I, I I do think that this is this is more gamesmanship. That 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 punch bowl report is is gamesmanship on let's see. Let's <laughs> let's see what they do. Let's see where the next 48 hours play out. You know, uh, exactly how much of a no is AOC? Exactly how mm. much of a no is Pramila Jayapal? How mm. much of a no are some of these other more, uh, you know, game members of, of, of the progressive caucus? Because 
maybe they do cave. Nancy Pelosi does it again. And even despite the fact that this was the absolute stated cannot happen red line of the progressive caucus, Pelosi guides them over the uh, over over the, the, the line. The, the Republicans vote for it anyway. And, and that's how things end up on Thursday. Or again, like I said before, the, the progressive caucus does block it. And the Republicans can say, hey, when 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 the when when the socialists didn't give you roads, look who look who stepped up, the, the adults in the room. And to be fair to the Republicans, say, look, what, what there's a push going on now to craft some kind of informal agreement between yeah. the progressives and the moderates, particularly Manchin and Cinema. Say, okay, here's the top line of what we'll accept. Maybe some of the rough particulars in BBB. And if they get that in hand, you know, Jimmy, Jayapal could maybe go, climb down a bit and say, hey, you know, we fought the good, do a Pelosi. We fought the good fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do the best we could. At least we got this. At least we got this agreement out of them. It's not so bad. It's not 3.5 trillion, but it's in the, in the ballpark. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen here. And so if that agreement's done, maybe Republicans say, hey, this is, this is too linked for my taste. Yeah. And so I'm out. Um, but even if that happens, I mean, you know, a, a informal agreement is not legislation. And just establishing a top line doesn't resolve all of this many, many sub issues in this bill. It's not going to get lickety split past 48 hours after the 30th. There's just too many moving parts to this thing. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, in my mind, even if there is some initial framework agreement, uh, it's it, it, it's not going to rob the moderates of exerting leverage in the as they delve down into all the specifics of the bill. Uh, and Republicans, I think, could still say to themselves, I, when I voted for Bib, I in no way was abetting what Democrats produced with BBB. All right. Well, I think it is probably uh, uh indicative of the coverage of all these issues that we're going to try to jam in the last five minutes to any discussion we can do about the other two gigantic raging fires that threaten to engulf uh, uh, the Democrats here in Congress. Uh, your thoughts quickly on, on the path forward in terms of funding the government, because, oh, yeah, by the way, the government shuts down <laughs> on Thursday uh, uh, while this vote is supposed to happen. Uh, the, 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 the Democrats need to find a way to keep that open. What's going to happen? You know, I, just did a, you know, I just did a, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast Election Profit Makers, um, no. which is like a kind of guy, uh, half serious, you know, political betting markets podcast. So uh, David Reese, who um, did a Get Your War On and The Art of Pencil Sharpening, and he okay. does Dick Town with John Hodgman. Yeah. Uh, he's an old college friend of mine. So he has me, oh, he's had me come on a few times. Uh, and so we're actually talking. So they're, they're asking me, like, what should I bet on? What, what should I bet on the government shutting down or not? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm not I'm not a betting man myself. And I said, look, I think the government's not going to shut down. But what I don't know is exactly when they're going to get that final bill on the floor. I, mean, I think what's going to happen is and what is happening as we speak is Democrats are starting to accept that Republicans are not going to pass a bill to keep the government open. That includes excuse me, that includes uh, a lifting ceiling. of the debt ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and so these are two separate matters. You know, keeping the government open is passing a, an appropriations bill to fund these agencies. Yeah. And since none of the various appropriation bills have passed, they got to lump them all into one bill and they call it a continuing resolution and they do it for a few months to kind of bide time. That's what's happening on that front. The debt limit is the government has 
debts to pay from past spending. And if they miss a payment, you lose the full faith of credit of the American government. And that caused a chain reaction throughout the global economy. That's a disaster for everybody because you can't trust yeah. the government's going to pay its bills going forward. Politics yeah. could get in the way of them paying their bills. Uh, so the deadline to get the government open is, you know, Thursday and the Thursday. The debt limit deadline is a little fuzzy. Treasury just said, we think October 18th. October 18th. Yeah. So Democrats want to do the whole thing in one bill. Republicans have said, you don't have our help on debt limit. We'll get the government open, but the debt limit's your yeah. problem. Uh, Democrats want to force the issue, make them vote on both things. But they're, but they're with increasing understanding that Republicans are really not going to budge here. And we are going to have to do it ourselves some way, somehow. Uh, and so when exactly that game of chicken moves on to its next phase and they strip debt limit out of the bill, they put a so-called clean bill of the, get the government open on the floor. It doesn't happen today, tomorrow. I mean, you know, the Senate has all its procedures, all its closure yeah. votes. Like it wouldn't totally shock me is if in playing the game of chicken as hard as they are, that you slip past midnight. Maybe it's past like Friday, 3 a.m. Yeah. And so you're anomaly in shutdown for a few hours. And so I, I had to tell my betting friends, like, I can't totally promise you you're they're gonna meet that midnight cutoff. Um, but I don't think it's gonna be kind of extended shutdown uh because Democrats don't want it. And yeah. um, they have the means, you know, to do it up themselves in some procedural way. Rumor, rumor is that we are that that a, a a clean a clean bill is is possibly brewing in the house as we speak during our our interview time here at ten uh, central time on on Tuesday. So who knows? By right. the time that you guys well, hear this, I, I, this, this might this might have advanced uh, significantly. Maybe it did. <laughs> and it's just to clip what I was saying before I me, mean, I mean, the clean government opening bill, I think will pass with a bipartisan support, 60 votes in yep. the Senate. Once the debt limit is excised from it, then yes. Democrats have to figure out a party line way to get debt limit done, which can be done. It just might be procedurally um, protracted. And the rumor, the rumor is that Biden floated reconciliation. But again, that's something that I think we're going to see uh, become increasingly a, the center of attention as not only the government shutdown is averted, uh, but also whatever's going to happen here with Biden's legislative agenda, at least this particular crisis point. One last thing, and then I'll get you out of here. I have always said that if Biden has one natural uh, uh, uncanny ability, it is to get things through Congress. It is what he has the most practice at. It's what he spent the most time doing. So amongst all the things that have gone very wrong for him throughout the summer, including COVID messaging and Afghanistan and the border. Mm -hmm. Those aren't his bread and butter. Those aren't his strength. His strength is getting things through Congress. As somebody who has watched this, do you believe that he has been not as involved as he should be, the perfect amount of involved or or, or too involved uh, as, as this kind of uh, makes its way to its various uh, finish lines? I don't think it's lack of involvement. I mean, this is just the reality of presidenting. Like you, you, okay. you don't, presidents can't micromanage. Presidents yeah. can't make every decision about it. You know, there, there, there's a there's an encampment on the border. Like that's not the kind of thing that a president weighs in on initially. That's that you, you have other layers of government that deal with those well, sorts no, of no, things. I, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying specifically with Congress, specifically with with Bib and and and, oh, and I'm BBB. Sorry, 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all that other stuff, I, I agree with you. Look, some of it is you can you can really touch. Some of it you can't. There are different varying uh, elements that I think, uh, uh, you know, we we, we have uh, discussed, uh, uh, you know, in, in past episodes. But this is Congress. This is the thing that he knows the best. Uh, 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 wh- where is his involvement from your vantage point? I, I think it is. It, it is. Uh, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. I don't want to say strange. Uh, but you know, he's not that deep into it. Um, yes, that's my and, thought. And, and it's, yeah. And it seems to be that he's stuck between, you know, let's, let's get all the Republicans in a room together and work it all out ourselves, which the, the few times he has done that, he seems to sort of really, you know, gets his juices going. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very happy to do that in the infrastructure, you know, hard infrastructure process, but they're very sensitive about that left flank because the margins in Congress are so narrow. If they don't give some deference and some nods towards their left flank, they have a hard time keeping them in the tent. Every message from Biden in this process, you know, since the Senate bill passed, all the message from Biden has been studiously neutral between the progressive and moderate camps. They're really trying really hard not to put their thumb on the scale one way or the other. Uh, and let people read what they want to read into what he's saying. When he met with progressives and moderates last week, I thought this was very, I thought this was strange. They didn't have the progressives and moderates in the same room. No, they were different pods. Like they were separating them for COVID. Like this is literally like, like the Camp David Accords. When (laughs) Jimmy Carter had the intel from the CIA and the NSA, you know, we've done our psychological profiles on, on the Egyptians and the Israelis. You know, those guys, they're just going to talk past each other. They can't be in a room together. You got to keep them separate and shuttle between them to work this out. Uh, And that's what seemed to be happening last week, uh, which I thought, I thought that was weird because I really think if progressive amounts got we're in more rooms together there'd be a lot less mistrust and maybe less of these ridiculous kabuki dances um but i think that is because biden seems really terrified at doing anything that's going to make i presume particularly the progressives feel like the game is rigged against us they're trying to keep things really really low-key light touches now maybe that's going to shift in these last few hours before this final vote, but I think they've been trying to be really minimalist to avoid those kinds of dissensions really, you know, becoming inflamed. I guess I, I just, you know, you, you read all these things about, you know, Joe Biden was the guy who put a, a Boehner and Obama out on a, out on a porch with a carton of Marlboro reds and a, and, and, and a Cabernet <laughs> bottle so they could hash out their differences because he, he has that old Washington way of, of knowing exactly you know, whose, whose chain needs to be yanked and who needs to be put in line and everything. And that's why it's like when he went into full court press mode last, what we thought was full court press mode last week, I was like, all right, here it comes. Here's the big, <laughs> the big moment. And this is what we're going to read in the next Woodward book of, of, uh, you know, the back and forth and whatever. Right. And it was like, Oh, the, the words coming out where everybody who was already saying the same things all showed up. Joe Biden asked him what they wanted. They said it, they left, and then like on the Sunday shows, everybody just repeated all the same stuff. The only person who really seemed to thaw at all was Jayapal, who was 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 you know now backing into well, we could have an ironclad agreement. Uh, that was pretty much the only the only thing, which I guess she had at that point read read the uh, 
Well, yeah, may, and maybe law. that came out of those meetings in some way. You know, maybe that yeah. little bit of softening was was related to that process. I, I don't know. My guess is the things that Biden does well, that that inner sanctum, bring out the Merlot and the Sigs yeah. and let's let's talk it out. That's not going to work with the with with AOC. That's not going to work with Jamal no. Paul. It's not going to work with Jamal Bowman. Uh, they're, they're, they're different characters with different agendas and, and a good, good number of them. Not, I mean, let's say Jayapal, I, I can't know yet, but certainly AOC has been on the record about this for several years. Like they want a moment to yank the rug out from under leadership. They want a, yeah. a chance to prove they'll make a threat and follow through on it. And since you know that you got to deal with them. I mean, that's what they want to have to enhance their leverage in the caucus. And they thought this was going to be the best opportunity to really do it because it sure looked like Pelosi was with us on it. Yep. Uh, and now that that, that, that Jenga piece is pulled out, uh, how much are they willing to, to, to stick with it is, is it remains the unknown. And I think Biden is probably recognizing that he can't schmooze his way through dealing with that factor. There's, there's gotta be other more delicate dances to be done to bring enough of those people around and accept what is the art of the possible. Yeah. Maybe you can just play Despacito out of his phone. That works in Florida. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Bill, uh, thank you so much. Again, a well-earned home run trot. Where can people find your work? Um, mostly in the Washington Monthly these days um, and also Real Clear Politics. Those are the two places that have been published me as of late. And of course, my very uh, uh, fun-loving Twitter feed with all my lovable, uh, warm followers who never have anything mean to say about me whatsoever. Lovable scamps. That always just uh, rain hosannas upon our boy, Bill Share. Thanks again, man. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Wonderful. Take care. And that wraps it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to give your own congratulations, in fact, let's roll out the welcome wagon. Let's 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 really tune up the band here for Bill Share. Head on over to px3guest.com and tell Bill Share you were right. You were right. In fact, I think what I sent to him was just a GIF from Analyze This of of uh, uh, Robert De Niro doing the you, you. So send him either you were right or just that GIF of Robert De Niro going you. And you can get to his Twitter at px3guest.com. You want to send me an email? Go ahead and do it. Theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You want to get the show's Twitter? It is px3tweets. If you want to watch me live, I do uh, live streams on Twitch at px3live.com. Our podcast for uh, you to share amongst your friends and family is px3podcast.com. And our merch can be found at politicsmerch.com. Of course, you can support us with a one-time payment, paypal.me slash payjury on Venmo. Find out whether or not Venmo cash is real by heading on over to justin-young-20. Send me a dollar. Cash app is px3cash. And by the way, anything physical that you'd like to send to me, you can send to P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, P.O. Box 153184. Austin, Texas, 78715. I want to give a big shout out 
to the Handies, who sent me some amazing caramel popcorn and some card games. Always great to receive stuff uh, that I believe the, the, the Handy family made. So uh, uh, send me your wares. Send me stuff you like. Send me money. I like it all. Again, P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, if you want bonus content, the only place you go is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss here on our free podcast schedule. And that $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Idris Arslanian, DJ Katie Mack, Niemeister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, DeKinse, Anile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Peter Spicery, 70s TV salesman or spy? D. Really? And vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Zombie Doc Edison, no mentioned on the podcast, please. Dot com junkie, DP4 Bongo, Pop Gold, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Ye Old Pinball Shop. John Snuffies off Route 44. Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, and Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, the Jen, Will, J. Pink, and Andrew. You want your name read? It's just so simple. Head on over to take politics seriously. Dot com. So if you're a patron uh, and you listen to the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition, I usually, if I have guests lined up, uh, I'll try to let people know on that Sunday edition. And I, I told everybody Bill Shear was going to be on. Then I said that I was going to have Matt Donnelly on. Uh, I said that he didn't know he was going to be on, but that if he didn't want to do it, I'd shoot him in the leg and then I'd interview him. Because he's going to be local. He's going to be in town in Austin. And then I forgot to text Matt Donnelly that he was going to be on the show and he should know it. And he listened to the podcast just because apparently he likes it, which is which is great. Uh, And so I just woke up to a text the next morning saying doing dishes, finding out that I'm going to be interviewed and shot. So I guess he's consenting to the interview, which means I can save a bullet. But you will get Matt Donnelly on the show. We're going to talk about the COVID politics of Vegas from somebody who is uh, very well ensconced in it. It's going to be a great convo. Find that on the Friday edition. And then, of course, if you're on the Patreon, you're going to get the latest on what is happening. Thursday is vote day. So uh, we will find out. Will the progressives cave? Will Pelosi be humiliated? Will the Republicans ride into the rescue? It's all up in the air. We'll find out together, though. Till next time, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio. Politics. Politics. Politics.